Hey y'all, welcome back to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Today I speak with Jamie Fisher, 52 kilo champion from the Arnold Grand Prix this past March. We are two weeks away from Mega Nationals and she is the person to beat for the 52 kilo weight class. She is ranked number one right now for the USAPL's competition. She will be in prime time and she is coming in strong. We talk all about how her prep went for the Arnolds, how she's battling through injury, but still persevering through, how she got introduced to her coach and more. It was a great conversation. I absolutely loved it. Before we dive into today's episode, gotta talk to you as I sit here in my girls to powerlift hoodie. It is comfortable, it's cozy, and it's cute. Guys, if you want to look good when you go to train and outside of the gym and you want to support an awesome brand, got to check out Girls Who Powerlift. They make singlets that are adorable and unique. They have wrist wraps. They have t-shirts with the best sayings on them. They have sports bras, crop tops, everything. Leggings that fit nice. You want to look good, feel good. That's the best way to train. Check out Ghost Powerlift Apparel. Use code Solana, save 10%. It is worth it. And if you want to be fueled for your training sessions, focus and energize, check out 110%. They're the only pre-workout that I will use. I use it for all my heavy training sessions. I will not get to the platform at USAPL Mega Nationals without using this pre-workout. It is bomb. It's the best. I really, truly do love it. And the ingredients are awesome. They also have protein that I literally used this morning to make my protein shakes. Y'all, they're dropping some good stuff. They have excellent supplements. Check out 110%. Use code Solana. Save yourself 10%. Lastly for y'all, Left Larbro's Apparel is an excellent brand. I use their competition tees for my last two competitions and that bar did not slide because it is good quality t-shirts that they are making. Some of them have graphic design. Some of them are more simple for the platform. I really love them. I have their dad hat. They have joggers on the site. You want to look good, feel good. Left Flower Bros has the stuff for you. It's a good company. I love them. Use Solana 15, save yourself 15%. And let's dive into today's episode. All righty, y'all. So I have Jamie Fisher with me. I'm so stoked to meet you. It's my first time even talking to you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, we're two weeks out now. So, you know, I'm tired, but I'm good. Yeah, that's like been the theme of the week for me and talking to my athletes. Like, it's funny because most of my athletes are like really new to powerlifting. So I'm like, hey, it's really normal to be tired <laughs> before a big meet. Don't worry. That's actually like a good thing right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a hard mindset to get into, though, because you don't feel good. And I'm like, oh, my God, like it took me so long and doing so many competitions to be like, no, I should feel this bad right now that just means I'm gonna feel even better in two weeks exactly and like it's so it's like it's a mind screw because that's just how it is so I'm happy you feel like crap so do I (laughs) (laughs) the only time I want people to feel like garbage is right now exactly 
So you had like a major performance at the Arnold that I think a lot of people were like, whoa, she is coming out strong. And I was so stoked to be able to see it. And I was just wondering, how was the prep for the Arnold? Because I saw that we were dealing with some shoulder stuff and may not have been the easiest prep in the world. Um, it was actually, not to be dramatic, um, but it was my worst prep that I've had in a long time. Um, I had actually injured, um, I had pulled a pec muscle. Um, it was on Halloween, actually. And I, you know, it's, it's a pulled muscle. It should heal. It should be fine in like two to three weeks. And it just, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't improving at all. No matter what I did, I was seeing a PT. I was trying to take it easy. Um, so even when I got, I was originally invited to um, the pro-am and initially I was like, my first reaction was like, no, I can't do this. Like I'm, I can't bench more than like 70 or 80 kilos without pain. Like I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go to the Arnold and not bench what, I mean, bench is my, th everyone, if anyone knows anything about me, they know bench is my thing. So I'm not going to go and not be able to bench what I want to be able to bench. Um, but I thought more about it and it was actually a huge goal of mine to be invited to the Arnold. Um, I grew up in Ohio, so the Arnold has some like major sentimental value for me. I competed there as a gymnast when I was younger. Um, I actually have an Arnold 2004 shirt that I bring with me to the Arnold, the powerlifting competitions that I do now. Um, so the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, if it's like such a goal of mine to be invited, not to just compete, but to like be asked to compete there. So it, it took me probably like a day to be like, okay, you know what? Ibuprofen exists. I will, <laughs> I will deal with this. I, you know, I have three or two months, three, two months. I don't remember when they sent out the invites, but, um, I was like, it, it might just be fine. Um, but regardless, I am going to do this. So the prep itself was, it was rough. Um, I'm sure everybody saw my very public apology to my coach for how stressed I was throughout it. Um, and the abuse he took from me being the not fun athlete I was during that prep. So to get through that prep and have that performance, like, I, I was shocked. I mean, that was the first time I even ever went nine for nine, um, especially when they bumped me up to the Grand Prix stage. I was like, this is wild. I'm so happy with my performance, especially all things considered having like the worst prep of all time. So one thing that you mentioned, there's a few things you mentioned that we're going to go back to, but you said, and I saw this post, you were like, coach, coach Dimitri, I'm so thankful you didn't fire me, right? But and I know you're like kind of joking, but I want to know like what kind of like what did he have to do to help you kind of stay sane, you know? Because like in order to have a coach that like really messes with you, like they have to be able to call me down when you need it, hype you up when you mm -hmm. need it, and that's a hard job. So like, what did he do to help you feel good throughout prep mentally? Um, so a lot of it comes through. So Dimitri's been my coach for the almost the entire time I've been a powerlifter. He was my very first coach. We've been together a really so it's been about five years now at this point. 
Um, and he's just an amazing coach overall. Uh, I think how he approaches each of his athletes is very unique to what they need, which is a great skill to have as a coach. Um, for me, he knows that I, I got to yell about it for a second, but eventually like after some time, I will calm down, um, and chill out. So he will basically take the time to remind me of the bigger picture and the bigger goals. And that, you know, today is bad. You're in pain today, but ultimately it's going to be worth it in the end. So he's kind of there to keep me more grounded. Um, but then he also knows that I also just need some space and it's going to be fine. Um, but he is just, and he just knows me so well at this point that even with my yelling, even with like, not yelling. I was not very nice though. I will admit, um, he knows that it was an immediate reaction to the situation and that it is going to be okay after a little while, but he's very good at meeting athletes where they're at just in general. So that's always really helpful. Uh, that's a good coaching trait. You really do have to be able to meet people where they are because at the end of the day, if you can do that, you can kind of help them push through the hard stuff. Because a mm -hmm. lot of it is just, like, your mentality, right, going into it. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be able to, like, okay, let's get you back to sanity because let me be more objective. This is actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the objectiveness for sure. Because when you're in that moment and you failed a lift that – well, especially because, I mean, it's bench. It's bench for me. And I also squat and deadlift, but bench is really important to me and it's really emotional. So – that being the lift that was most affected by this injury, um, he really helped to keep my eye, keep me grounded. It was like, yes, this sucks right now, but it is ultimately going to be fine. That is awesome. And you said that he is the coach you pretty much had the whole time. So you've been powerlifting since mm -hmm. 2016. So how did y'all meet? Like, did he get you into the sport of powerlifting? So he didn't, and it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, we had been going to the same gym and I, um, I didn't really know him when he went to that gym. I knew him as the guy who took the only squat rack and did his 45 minute hip <laughs> stretching warmups. And I could have done my entire workout in that time. And like, so I met him through another person at the gym. He actually wasn't even my coach when I was there. Um, cause the first two meets I did without a coach, I was running like pH three and doing it all myself. And that looking back, I can't ever imagine doing that now. And that's like my number one thing that I tell people when they're going to do powerlifting is to get a coach because looking back, I'm like, what was I doing? Um, but when I was getting ready after those first two meets, I was not progressing obviously cause I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, I need help. I knew that he had been starting to take on um, clients for powerlifting. So I had reached out um, through a mutual person that we both knew. And he's like, just DM him. It's fine. And he's like, I was in Las Vegas at the time and he was still in Kentucky. And he's like, you DM'd me at four in the morning, the day of my own competition. I'm like... <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I was so nervous about messaging someone about coaching. I paid no attention to anything else. Um, and yeah, 
we've been together ever since. Um, I've PR'd every single meet with him. So I'm like, it's not broke. Why fix it? Like I'm not, there's no need for me to get a new coach. Um, and I mean, we're just really good friends at this point too. So yeah. Oh, I love it. First of all, Dimitri, why are your notifications on at 4 a.m.? Like, you shouldn't have seen it until you logged into Instagram. So that's your fault, sir. But anywho, <laughs> but anywho no, that's really cool because you said, like, looking back, you're like, how the heck did I even get through those first two quote-unquote preps and, like, compete? And I tell people this all the time. People will argue with me. They'll be like, no, you can do your first few meets without a coach and just see if you like it. I'm like, no, you can't because every meet I go to, the person without the coach is so lost. They don't know what's going on. I see their first attempt. They're trying to max out. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's not how it goes. And they're like, I'm about to cry in the back. And I'm like, this happens at every meet I've ever been to besides like nationals. It probably just happened at nationals. I'm just not seeing it. I'm too busy. So like, that's a lie. You told, I'm 100% like get a coach for the first meet period. I got lucky. I did that. And I was like, it worked out great. <laughs> Yeah, that is my biggest piece of advice to me because I was that clueless person. Uh, thankfully, and this is something that I love about the sport of powerlifting is that generally, especially at more local meets, everyone is willing to help and not let you be that clueless person. Um, I, I came from a gymnastics background and that is not how that sport is at all. So it blew my mind to go to a powerlifting competition and have women be nice. Um so it, I still did get a little bit of help, but so I wasn't that person like crying in the background, but I mean, I was opening at basically my maxes. Like it's a miracle that on that day I didn't bomb out, um, like truly. So yes, my biggest thing when I, when people are like, I want to get into powerlifting, I was like, you want to compete, you should get a coach because it's just going to be invaluable to have that guidance. Um, and especially having someone to hand or even just like getting a handler for me to have, like, it's priceless to have somebody there. So you don't have to worry about it. Dude, 100%. So you keep mentioning gymnastics and I'm like, yo, I swear, whenever I see someone who is short and petite and did gymnastics, I'm like, you'd be perfect for piloting. Yes. So how did, how did you get into gymnastics? How young were you? Um, I was four. Um, so my, my parents like shoved me into like every sport possible and gymnastics is one that stuck. Um, so it's, I wasn't good. I was not good, but I do appreciate kind of what it taught me. Um, and you know, think hard things are hard and that's fine. Like you need to push through them, but just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. And that's like, I think that helps so much with powerlifting um, because training is hard and you're picking up heavy things as your hobby. Things are going to be hard and you need to be able to push through them. And it goes to more than just powerlifting, but just life in general. So even though I sucked for a very long time at that sport, I am very thankful that I had that experience. Ah, that is awesome. Like, it's, I think it's cool. Well, actually, I don't know. Let me ask you, like, did you appreciate just being shoved into multiple sports as a child? You just said you appreciated what you got taught from gymnastics, but, like, you must try other stuff before that, so. 
<laughs> gymnastics is one of the first few because I was four. Um, but I really did um, appreciate that that is how my parents chose to get us involved in things. Um, I do think it makes me like chaos now a little bit too much because I was always running from like sport to sport to sport as I was younger. So I really love having a ton of stuff going on in my life as an adult, but it gave me this mentality of like, there's nothing I can't handle. Like I can take on all this, all these different things and I can have all these responsibilities and I know that I can do it. It may be stressful. And like I said, it may be hard, but I know at the end of the day, I can get through it and I like it that way. So I really appreciate that. That is the experience I had as a child because I very much don't think I would be that way as an adult if that wasn't what I experienced growing up. Yeah, that's what I love about sports. Like I did sports my whole life too. I think I started like five, I don't know, maybe five, but like they teach you so much. And, like, you can relate so much as you learn in sports about determination and hard work and keep going to life. And so that's why I'm such a huge fan of, like, doing a sport when you're younger, even if you're not someone who's, like, going to be like us, like, and just do it till the day we die. Like, just doing some sort of thing, like a sport that will help you, like, learn perseverance and pushing mm-hmm. through hard times. Like, it can be such a game changer for, like, how you are as an adult. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, the especially with powerlifting training is boring like it is very repetitive and if you don't have that perseverance you're not going to make it through prep like your emotions are all over the place you're tired the training is especially at the start like tends to be volume no one wants to do volume as a powerlifter so if you don't have that skill to tell yourself like nope you're just doing this and you are going to push through it you're not getting you're not going to make it through a single meat prep Dude, so freaking true. And I will say, I think powerlifting is the most boring sport to train for. I love it with all my heart, but we are literally just squatting and benching does this thing every single day. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you gotta love it. If you're gonna do powerlifting long term, you you have to love it because you're right. The training is super boring. I came from a gymnastics background. I pole vaulted in college. Like those are both very exciting types of sports and. I mean, I did powerlifting training to train for those things, like especially Mm -hmm. pole vaulting. Like that's where I started doing weightlifting stuff. So you really have to love it to be willing to just go into the gym and do squat, bench, deadlift every week. Okay, girl. So you did everything. So we pole vaulted (laughs) in college. Okay. How did you like find, obviously it's a track, but like what Mm -hmm. made you want to try pole vaulting with all the events and options there are? Um, So So basically in high school, the track coach came to the gymnastics team and was like, who wants to try pole vaulting? Because we don't have any. And that's, it's not a big story. (laughs) That was what it is. And I was like, I do. Sure. And like, I tried some other stuff. I tried hurdles. I tried long jump. I am five foot tall on a good day. So me doing hurdles was just hilarious. Um, And so, yeah, the only thing that really stuck was pole vaulting. And so I was able to do that through college. Again, not that great. The sport I've been best at is powerlifting. So that also helps to like it a little bit more. Did you mess around with throwing? I feel like all throwers are short. I could be wrong about that. (laughs) They never asked me to try throwing. And part of that reason is probably because initially I hated strength training. I 
and I will say, I think part of it was because it was at 8 a.m. and I was in college and I was like, what do I want to do less than wake up at 8 a.m. and go lift weights in college? Um, so I think because I was so opposed to like actually trying in the weight room that they were like, we are not going to have her throw heavy things. That's not going to be what we do. Well, there you go. <laughs> so but for someone like you who's been in sports your whole life, when you started lifting weights in college, did you ever have like the, the fear of like, oh, I don't want to lift too much or like, oh, I don't want to get bulky or are you just like, bro, it's just part of the pole vault thing. I'll just do it. Like whatever. Um, so I had an eight pack when I was 12 from oh, you gymnastics. <laughs> so I, it was never really a concern for me. Um, I, I mean, I definitely struggled with some body image issues, but it was actually all that I was super skinny and I actually wanted to have more weight on me, at least initially. There's a whole thing. It's a whole process of, that I've gone through to love my body now, but getting too big was never initially my concern. People definitely tried to make it my concern, which was very, very irritating. Um, and I think any woman who's walked into a weight room can relate to that as well, that you'll have some guy that you didn't ask be like, well, don't get too big. Yep. Um, <laughs> like I, you'd be hard pressed to find some woman who has not had that said to them. Um, but I definitely came from an, a bit more of an understanding that you have to try so hard to be that big. Like it is a conscious effort to get that big like I am still trying to work like I would love my legs to be bigger than they are now I want more mass on them and it's hard so having going into it knowing that it wasn't too big of a concern for me but it was still like so annoying to hear these people be like well don't get too big it'll be fine do you worry about you dude trust me I can relate to 100 percent I'll never forget I think I was 13 I think I was 13. My mom was like letting me go to the gym like near my house. So I was like on the elliptical and stuff. And I walk inside. We had like a little supplement corner in there. So I walk inside and like I'm looking at the mask scanner. I'm just looking at it. I'm just reading it. Cause like I want I also wanted to gain weight. I was very skinny. I was like, I want a butt. I was like, I've been told if I want a butt, I need more calories. So let me look at this mask scanner. And the second I look at it, this random man comes out of nowhere and he's like, Honey, you don't need that. Put it away. Like, go back to the elliptical. And I was like, Whoa. I'm not allowed to look at it and I was scared to even look at supplements after that for like a year I was like well forget it like I mean that really shapes your experience like I I've lucked out I mean I've had some not great experiences in the gym but I mean just being in the gym for as many years as I have it's unavoidable um, but stuff like that, especially when you're a young teenager, that can really shape how you approach exercise and lifting for the rest of your life. That's a very formative year. Dude, 100%. So that's why I like, I love that we can like talk about it though. And like, it's, it's sad that everyone has at least one experience. Any woman in powerlifting can tell you a story mm -hmm. <laughs> about mm -hmm. some man doing something stupid but you know it's cool to look back and like laugh at it and be like okay like that did not stop me like I oh yeah that. there was um this was the weirdest probably one of the weirdest interactions I've had and I've had some weird interactions but 
I was, um, I was in a college gym because I was in a master's program and I was not powerlifting yet. So I had just like, I had grown to appreciate strength training through, even though I hated it at the start of college, by the end of college, I really liked it. And I really wanted to be stronger. So in my graduate program, I was just going to the gym to go to the gym and I am, I guarantee I was quarter squatting. I was not doing anything good, but this man came up to me and, um, he was like, you're strong as F. And I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. Um, and he's like, it is not a compliment. (laughs) What? And I I just stared because what, what do you say back to that? And I just like, he just walked away and I was what do you even say to that I was like why did you come up and tell me this you could have just gone on you could have just kept living your life bro that is the (laughs) wildest one I think I've heard I like that one was just that's a cherry on top of the guys are piece of the crab cake (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my lord okay I've never been more confused I've never been more confused in my life that came up to like me that was that. weird uh, yeah. I have one more story it's not even my story Kim Walford told me the story herself about what happened to her and I can't remember how old she was like zero recollection she told me her age but she was like I was at a commercial gym I was squatting 315 I'm doing my squat set the camera's recording it and a man comes up to me while I'm miss squatting and goes up to the place and counts them like points at them gets real close and he's like one, two, three, one, two, three. That's 315 pounds. And she's in the middle of squatting and she stops. And then he tries to have a conversation like, whoa. And she's like, sir, like, can you leave? Can yes. you leave me alone? I'm like, why did you feel the need to walk across the gym and count them from an inch away? Like you couldn't count them mm-hmm. from like where you were. You can tell. You can tell. Just stay on that side of the gym. I know how much weight's on there. Thank you. I loaded it. I know, bro. I'm like, that's wild. But anywho, speaking of lifting heavy, it looks like bench is looking strong right now. So is the pec injury mitigated? Um, I think I'm just in such a state of denial that yes, it is. Um, I... Unfortunately, I'm still taking a lot of ibuprofen. I basically had decided that I'm like, I'm just going to do this through this prep. Um, I have a friend who is a clinical pharmacist and I'm like, how much damage am I doing to my kidneys if I take this much ibuprofen this many times a week or this long? And she's like, you're really fine, but you know, you should not continue to do this. And I'm like, I understand. I have to just make it through this prep. And then I will quit with ibuprofen for everything. Um, So it's definitely better. Um, It's way more manageable now. I have not had nearly as stressful of a prep. And I'm back up to benching what I was prior to injuring it. So I injured it benching 248 for a double. And I hit that for a triple a couple times this prep. So I'm super excited because while I I still was able to set the American record on the Grand Prix stage, which is an unbelievable thing that I get to say, but it, I know I can bench more than that. Like I knew prior to my injury, I was already benching more than that. I had hoped to bench more than that. 
at the Arnold if I had decided to do it at Nationals. So I'm excited that it's feeling a lot better right now and I should be able to put up something better <laughs> at Nationals, basically. Yes, and girl, I saw your two pitches three by three. Don't act like you didn't just do that like <laughs> like two days ago or something. But you're mentioning the Grand Prix stage, and I wanted to ask you, okay, so from the perspective of someone who's obviously in the Grand Prix, what was that experience like? Like you said, like you have always wanted to be invited to the Arnolds. You got invited to the biggest stage probably at the Arnolds, and you got to experience it. Like, what was the actual atmosphere like to you? It was, it was pretty unreal being up there with all of these lifters that I've followed on Instagram for years who are amazingly strong women. Um, I, I will say that part of what I do when I compete is I, I don't, I can block out the crowd. I don't really let that get to me because I do have some anxiety even with competing still. And if I were to, I think if I were to really immerse myself in that experience, I would have legitimately died from stress. So I, it was awesome being on that stage. I'm so thankful that I got to have that experience, but I remember nothing about the crowd. I got up there and I lifted the weights that I knew I could lift and it was, and it was great, but it was almost like how I approach any other meet. And that feels ridiculous to say, but that's just kind of the mentality I have to have when I go into competing or I know I'm going to just tank my performance. Well, but it's, it's not ridiculous to say because as a fellow competitor, like you're right, like you get to the platform at the end of the day, you're so zoned in, you just see the judge. You're like, I have to pay attention mm -hmm. to this person and that's it. So it's not crazy that you weren't like, oh my gosh, the atmosphere because in the moment, you're like, no, but I'm sure afterwards you probably look back and we're like, oh my gosh, that was cool. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, I had, I mean, I went nine for nine on the Grand Prix stage. Like that is, yes. I, I cannot accurately put it into words how amazing that feeling was. So yes, afterwards I was so excited. I mean, my, oh my, I was in pain. I, there was a massage therapist that my coach knows from his gym in the back. And he was like, can you just, and he's like working on me to try to like get out some of that like tension and like the drug, I got chosen for drug testing. So she's sitting there like watching this happen. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, this is wild. Um, so it was amazing. I'm so happy I got to have the experience, but like, even like looking back, I'm like, did I really do that? <laughs> Yes, you did. <laughs> to answer your question, but yeah, dude, you had you had a good day, regardless. That's what's cool. You pushed through that injury and had an excellent day, and so I can't mm -hmm. wait to see like what we put up in two two weeks, Lord Jesus. Two, two weeks. weeks. Two <laughs> weeks. Yeah, and, and, like and two weeks away. <laughs> and and going into the Arnold too, I was having some like major imposter syndrome because I. Like I said, I had originally been invited to the Pro-Am and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, my numbers make sense for this competition. I do have my pro card. Like, yeah, that makes sense to be invited to. But when they emailed me, it was kind of funny because they never told me I got bumped up to the Grand Prix. I had went to check the roster for, because they sent out the email. They're like, check to make sure you're on the roster. Email us if you're not on there. 
And I just, I just pulled up the program roster and I was like, I'm not on here. Um, I was like, crap, like, okay. And I email USAPL and they're like, oh, you're not on there because you're in the Grand Prix. (laughs) Excuse me, what? Um, And I was having like major imposter syndrome because all of those women are so much stronger. And as you know, I know you're aware, like my dots was not up there with them. Um, And then, you know, everybody did their podcast, like preview shows and they're like, yeah, Jamie's good, but you know, she's going to be fifth. She's going to be fifth. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, why am I even doing this? Like they should have just left me in the pro-am. Like they're like king of the lifts and two white lights, both predicted lifters in the pro-am were going to outlift me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why they put me in it and not them. I, I genuinely had no idea. Um, but then I was like, no, F this, like I'm proving people wrong. I love doing that. So I come in fifth and I am thrilled with that because that's what I was predict. I mean, it's what I was predicted, but not even because there were people like they didn't even put me as fifth because there were people in the pro-am that they're like, those will be like fifth place. And that was a little frustrating. I'm not going to lie, but ultimately that is not what happened. So I was just really, again, just really happy overall. Yes, you're right. That's not what happened. So let me ask you. So when you listen to preview shows, um, like, do you use it typically as fuel to like kind of make you want to like try harder? Or do you like, I don't know, what's the mentality after a preview show at this point? And do you want to listen to them going into nationals? Like, have you listened to them going to nationals? So there's no way that I can't not listen. Um, just me as a person, I have to know like what is being said. I wish I could say that I don't care. I absolutely <laughs> care. I'm not going to pretend like I don't. Um, so I, I have listened to, I think Two White Lights is the only one that's done the preview show yet. Um, and that's a little bit different just because my qualifying total is much higher than the other 52s. Um, not to say that that automatically means anything is happening. I mean, it's, you don't know till you get out there and lift the weight, but, mm-hmm. um, obviously it, because of those qualifying totals, it's predicted that I would do much better. So listening to those aren't as bad. I, I will say I had complicated feelings about the preview shows because I, I'm a realistic person. I knew what my dots was compared to the other women I was competing with. Um, I also know that I'm not as well known of a power lifter as some of those women as well. Um, and my meat performance hasn't been super consistent. So part of me was like, I get it. This, they're not really saying anything that's not true. Um, some of it got into territory that was a little bit rude on one of the podcasts and I did not really appreciate that so that irritated me a little bit but outside of that I was like I will just use this as fuel to go up and lift the weights that I know I'm capable of um but I was a little sad for a minute but then I was like no I'm not gonna be sad about this uh this is fuel and that's what I'm gonna do I love an underdog I can be the underdog and that's fine 
I think everyone kind of loves a solid underdog. And you definitely, just like you said, you were predicted for fifth or potentially lower with other people in the program. So you were the underdog. And going into it, it's just really cool that, like, you did not get fifth place. <laughs> you got a total that people were not expecting you to get. And so that was really freaking awesome. And I love that you were honest and felt like I can't not listen because so many people, I said, probably because I pay more attention now that have my own podcast and I'm now doing stuff with you at lights but like now I'm always looking forward and I see so many posts like I don't care about the preview shows and I'm like but you're posting about how mm-hmm. you don't care <laughs> so you care you care and so I you care like yeah I care I'm like thank you just be honest like I think most people like to hear their name even if they don't think they're gonna get first or even if they think they won't be predicted as first they want to hear what someone has to say about them so mm-hmm. that's I mean, it's it's cool to me that I was even that I was mentioned that I was talked about like my name does get said in these preview shows. I'm not gonna pretend that I don't think that's cool. That is cool. When I first started powerlifting, I never would have expected that I would get to this point. So even having that happen is still is still a cool thing to me. Um, but you will never hear me say, I don't care about something. I care so much about everything all the time. (laughs) Um, and I'm not the type of person to pretend like I don't, I actually had a really hard time not mentioning my injury in my Arnold prep, because I really like when people are transparent on Instagram, well in life, but also on Instagram, it's just so much easier to not be a transparent or genuine person. So I really tried to be, and I was having such a hard time, but I was like, I, if this doesn't go how I want, I don't want people being like, oh, well, she blamed it on her injury, like this. And then at a certain point, I'm like, well, I can't mention it now because we're like two weeks out and that's going to look really um, opportunistic to mention this now. So I'm like, I hate this though. Like I want to be transparent. I'm like, but I've missed my shot. So I'm like, whatever, we'll just do what we do, see what happens. And I'll say it after, after everything went good, hopefully. (laughs) You know, it's so true that like, if you are dealing with an injury and you are a highly, like you're an elite lifter, there's, it's so hard to find that line of like, I want to talk about it because like, you do want to tell people what's going on. Like that's kind of the point of like having social media is like be transparent with the audience if you're open to doing that. But at the same time, you're right. Like, people will be like, oh, like, there we go. Like, people predicted you mm-hmm. last. And you bought to give us a reason why you think you'll get last. And you haven't competed yet. And so it's, like, really tough to, like, find that silver lining. I felt that way, too, before. I'm like, oh, let me just not even talk about how bad this is going and how this hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is really hard to walk that line because I don't want people. I was like, I am really injured. This is a real thing that I am experiencing. Like, you can talk to my kidneys about it at this point. Um, but I don't want people to, if I don't have a great performance, I don't want people to like, look back and be like, oh, well, you know, she was talking about this injury. Like who knows if it's even real, all this stuff. Cause I've seen that happen on Instagram and I have such complicated feelings about Instagram in general, because I'm like, this can be a great tool. Like this can be people make their living off Instagram, which is amazing. People learn so can learn so much about these sports through, through Instagram because it's um, actually the way I even found out about powerlifting was through the girls who powerlift Instagram. 
it had started like right around the time that I was looking to find something to do. I had done, I graduated. I wasn't competing in anything anymore. I thought, I, I knew I wanted to do something strength related, but I honestly didn't even know powerlifting existed. And I had stumbled upon this, the girls who powerlift Instagram when it was a baby. And I was like, oh, I like these lifts. This could be a thing that I compete in. And had that not happened, I don't know, I probably would have ended up doing like a bikini show, which is crazy to me. So I, I love Instagram for that reason. But at the same time, I'm like, it can be a really hurtful place to be. And like, the last thing I want is people think I'm like BSing them with a fake injury, because that would really bother me. I fully understand that. Like, there are times where I want to just delete my whole Instagram account. <laughs> but then there are times where I get that. I post yesterday, I get that email. It's like, yo, like, I, I listened to your podcast. I didn't know what pausing was. I'm like, oh, and like, and like, I saw you post it through your Instagram. I'm like, oh, oh, it helps you get into the sport. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what I want. So yeah, you're right. Like there's, there's ups and downs with it. hundred percent. I fully understand what you were saying. Also shout out to Ivy and Corey Knight, the owners of Girls Who Powerlift. They're awesome. And <laughs> y'all, you getting people into the sport of powerlifting. <laughs> I can say with absolute confidence that they are like that account and they are the reason that I am a powerlifter. 100%. That is, I found that I found the sport of powerlifting through that Instagram page. And that's all she wrote. Like there was, there was nothing else. I freaking love it. So speaking of Instagram, how much attention do you pay to your competitors, competitors while leading into a meet or leading into this meet? So I'm definitely better at paying less attention now. And, and part of that is my, my coach does really a really good job at scouting. Like I've seen his notes, they're crazy. Um, so I know that he's got it covered and he's going to load what we need to load on the bar. Um, I still, I still follow a lot of my competitors. Um, I do like to have some idea of what they're lifting. Um, I know a lot of people have the like me versus me mentality. And as much as I would love to say that that is the mentality that I have, it is not the mentality that I have. I just inherently am a competitive person. And so I want to know what at least a range of what my competitors are doing. Um, however, taking that with a little bit of a grain of salt, because, you know, people don't always post their big lifts. People are very choosy on what they put on Instagram. So that helps me to not watch as much because I'm like, well, this probably isn't what they're actually lifting um, anyway. So that has helped me to kind of take it down a notch and how much, how much I care, essentially. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even for me personally, I like, I love watching my competitors, but I just mm-hmm. started liking it. Like, I like this prep. I I think it's because I have a podcast that in my mind is just data to me. I'm like, this is data. I will mm-hmm. talk about it on the pod. Because I, I used to freak me out. Like, I used to be like, mm-hmm. I have to meet you all. I can't look at you. I can't, like, I'm going to freak out. Like, I used to be like, yo, like, Sam calls me just hit this deadlift, and now I'm going to cry. And, like, it's like, why are you crying, Sloan? Just turn it off then. Was that serious. But now I'm watching, and I'm like, yo, 
Jordan hit 518. Thumbs up. Good job. Look at you. I'm not going to do that. I can't. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And part of it is that, like, I've met a lot of these women. And when I say I'm competitive, like, I do want to beat them. But in a, like, I just we went head to head and I lifted more weight. And that's great. It would be a weird mentality for me to have if I didn't want to win or didn't want to lift as much as like I could at least, but it's not like in a vindictive way. Like every woman I've met through powerlifting has been so nice. And like, there's definitely a way that you can be competitive and want to be these women and still be friends and have a good relationship, even if it is competitive. So while I do care and I do watch what they do to a point, um, it's not with any, like, I don't want them to fail. Like them lifting more is only going to make me push myself more and going to lead to better competition. So I never want someone to go and bomb out of a, I I would, I don't want to win a meet because someone bombed out. I want to win a meet because I lifted more than them. Like, I don't want an injury. I don't want bombing out. I want to just have lifted more. And it takes away from it if there's some other factor like bombing out or an injury or sickness or something where they couldn't go out and do their best. So I never wish that on my competitors. That would be, God, that would be terrible. (laughs) I hope that's not what they're wishing on me. (laughs) No, 100%. Do you post all of your best lists on Instagram? So I definitely used to, um, but I have made a conscious effort to post less for my own mental health. It really has very little to do with them seeing what I can lift because I, I don't mind them seeing what I can lift. Because again, I want everyone to go out and do their best. And I am going to go out and do my best. And I am hopefully going to lift more than everybody else. So I don't really care if they know how much I can lift. But I was getting a little bit too invested in like how many followers I had, how many likes I was getting. And I'm like, I have like a life and job outside of this whole powerlifting world. So I need to stop. (laughs) So I have been posting less. And the reason 100% is because I just needed to be on Instagram less. That I feel you there. So it's cool to know is like the reason why it's not even have to do with our people. It's just like for your own mental health, taking care of you. You're not going to post every single thing. So Miss mm-hmm. Oncology slash Lab Genetic Counselor, um, <laughs> what, <laughs> like, what do you do? I don't like, I mean, I'm dumb. So like, what does that mean? <laughs> So no one knows what I do. So that's, it's not you being dumb because I definitely don't think you are. It is, no one knows what my job is. Um, So there's a few different types of genetic counselor. Um, The more typical genetic counselor you'll see working in like a prenatal uh, pediatrics or cancer clinic. Um, They will see patients and they'll walk them through Like, this is what genetic testing can tell us, this is what it can't tell us. They'll interpret results and help, like, get the family members tested if they need to. Um, So that is what I used to do. I used to work in a cancer clinic, um, and I would see patients and do that. Um, My husband is actually military, so we move every, like, two years. And so I needed to take a remote position just so I could consistently, like, have a job that I wasn't switching all the time. 
So I now work for a little bit of the dark side because um, I work for a genetic testing company. Um, I work in are on a test that is for cancer recurrence monitoring um, using what we call circulating tumor DNA. So I still talk to patients, but I talk to doctors as well, explaining what the test is, what these tests could mean. Um, and I help with some of the lab operations and day-to-day -day stuff that's going on there. But I work okay. from home. So like I'm in my home office right now. <laughs> nice. Okay. I can't ask more questions because that's a whole, but that's cool. <laughs> like, that's really cool what you're doing. You see how lost I look? I legit feel like if it's not about lifting a barbell, I'm like, I want to hear about it, but like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you sound really intelligent. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, that is so that is something I was thinking about. I was like, that is one reason I really like um, not doing my own programming and not dealing with that stuff myself. I was like, I use my brain a lot during the day and powerlifting is is more how I decompress. And I don't want to say I don't use my brain. I use my brain when I power lift because I haven't died. And if you're not using your brain, you're going to hurt yourself. But sure. I don't want to think about things like that complex with that much complexity when I'm done with work. So I'm like, let my coaches do it. I don't want to do this. I use my brain enough during the day. I do not want to have to use it that much anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I can feel that. So my question for you you is when I was looking at the totals for IPF world competitors and 52s I was like hmm would you ever want to ever take an IPF world route like even though there's some big hitters there's Naomi Albert there's Rico Chizuka um you could you could push for Resenda and I'll total her realistically I need so you could <sighs> represent so Oh my God. I feel like I've said I had complicated feelings so many times, but I really do. I think about this kind of all the time because I am really excited for this um, pro series that USAPL is doing, but this wasn't my plan. I was pretty bummed, as I think a lot of us were, when um, the IPF and USAPL split because I, I kind of knew I was on a path to at least attempt to go and represent the U.S. on a national stage. Um, so I kind of go back and forth with this all the time. If I if my plan is to stay in the USAPL or if it's to go to Powerlifting America, um, like I said, I like what they're doing with the Pro Series. It's really fun. It's really exciting. I've watched IPF meets and they're so chill and calm, like compared to USAPL meets. And I have such a good time at USAPL meets that that would be such a jarring change, I feel, to compete in. Um, but a lot of it also has to do with Marissa and also Andy Riley, because I know she went to USBI, but she could easily come back to the US, I don't, and I don't know the details or the rules of what that looks like because it's never been something I've had to worry about for myself. Um, but she's strong AF. So like at this point, I know I can't beat her. So there was, and I thought she was gonna go the Powerlifting America route. So part of my decision was like, if I go to Powerlifting America, I'm not getting to nationals. I'm just choosing to not do competitions that I want to do with USAPL at that point. So it didn't make sense 
for me to go the powerlifting America route because I know I can't be Andy. She's so freaking strong. And she's also so unbelievably sweet. Um, mm-hmm. Just as an aside, but I was like, I can't, I know I can't beat her. There's no point. I'm not going to go to Worlds. So I'm not going to go this route. Um, and then, so moving forward, it's still kind of a question mark for me because I am really liking the things that USAPL are, is doing. Um, and I'm enjoying the pro series so far. Um, but it also would be so cool to compete on a national stage or international stage, even if I don't win because Naomi, um, also unbelievably strong. So it's a big gray area for me right now. And I go back and forth on what I want to do, like literally all the time. And that's totally fair. Like at the end of the day, like they're both like USAPL is never leaving and, and PA just got here. So I don't think they're ever leaving. And so you have the time to make that decision, right? Like you can try out mm-hmm. the full the full pro series and then try PA right after the pro series ends. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, and I do also want to see how things develop. Like, the pro series is all, already like very fun and promising, but it is it's and it's only its first year. Housing mm-hmm. America, they're also just everything is so new right now. So I really don't even want. I'm not even really trying to make a decision until I see because there's no point in doing that right now like I know I'm doing nationals that's my focus right now and I'll just see how things go um I just I have such a soft spot for the Arnold I just grow like I said growing up in Ohio and competing there for other reasons I'm like I would be really sad to I, I I think I would be really sad to go a route where I was no longer eligible for competing at the Arnold so that, that plays yeah well. My being sentimental about it is also like playing a role. Um, as since you are from Ohio, obviously Arnold is like the event of Ohio. Does like everyone in Ohio know what it is? Like people who've never lifted weight in their life, they also know what it is too. Like oh yeah, um, okay. The first few like outside of competitive, like outside of competing there, the first few like Arnold's I went, like we just you just went and you people watched like. A lot of my friends are not into strength sports, but we would just go to the Arnold basically to get like free stuff and watch people because it's wild. If you're not in the fitness world, going to the Arnold is wild. But yeah, everyone in Ohio knows about the Arnold, even if you could not care less about literally any sport that is going on there. It's just a thing. People just go. And like I said, they just walk around, watch people. Yeah, I have a friend who's from Ohio, and she did mention that to me. She, she competes in bodybuilding. But she was like, yeah, no, like, everyone and their mother is, like, yeah. a huge fan of the Arnold. So I'm like, really? Like, what's it like to, like, have a, a big thing in your state and, like, people come? I don't know. I can't picture it. I guess because she doesn't have that. We have baseball. I don't know. But <laughs> not like yeah, am, I, but. It was It was weird. To, I, so I thought because I, I lived in Ohio for the first 25 years of my life. So I thought that's just how people thought about the Arnold everywhere. So when I moved out of Ohio and people didn't know what the Arnold was, I was like, mm-hmm. how do you not, how do you not know what this is? Like, this is such a big deal. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. How do you not know what this is? I was like, I was like, I don't believe you don't know what this is. 
like there's so many trainers I know near me who don't know what it is. I'm like, you train, like you don't, yeah, Thorsten hanger. Come on, bro. Like, <laughs> like what? I'm like, forget it, forget it. I'm going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's wild. It's it's it was just unreal to me because it was such a big part of just my life growing up, even before I was in strength sports. So after nationals. Do you have any plans for right after that? Like, do you want to take a break or are you trying to do like any other? I mean, I guess for the pro series, there's like those Euro, Europas coming up so that, that like right after nationals that no one's doing. But do you have any plans to do any other meet right after? No, no, I, I really, really, really don't um, because I really, I want to heal. Um, and like, I had gone into the Arnold being like, I'm not doing nationals. I can't do this again. I can't do, I cannot live in this level of pain anymore because I wasn't sleeping. Like it was hurting me 24 seven, not just when I was benching, not just when I was working out. Like it was constant pain. I have, I know I have developed this like nervous habit of like pressing down on my collarbone because it helped relieve the pain. And I just find myself doing it sometimes. Um, so, so no, I have promised everyone in my life that I, <laughs> will not I will take the time off between nationals and hopefully I get invited back to the Arnold um and I will do the Arnold again most likely but that is a nice eight months in between those two where I can just chill um we're also moving to Florida like two weeks after nationals so that's gonna okay. be like 24 hours in the car um and I have like a friend getting I have like life stuff that I plan to do in that time that has nothing to do with powerlifting so it will be a nice eight month break so that leads me I was gonna ask you this so as an elite competitor who takes it very seriously do you find that you kind of cut off your social life as you get closer to nationals oh for sure for sure, because I I really like, so I am just an extroverted person. I love going out and doing things. I love going and seeing people, um, like going to dinner, getting drinks, things like that. Um, and it's so hard to do that in any kind of enjoyable way as it gets close to nationals. And part of it for me is just that is my priority is training and doing well at this competition. So it doesn't make sense for me to try to do all of these social things. There's plenty of time for that after nationals. Um, I lived in Las Vegas for three years. So I have friends there that I'm going to see and I'm excited for that the minute I'm done competing. Um, but absolutely just as gen in general, as part of like my prep, especially like within like six weeks out, like I don't go out to eat. I don't drink really any alcohol um my focus is I go to work I train and I sleep <laughs> I 100% feel you like I'm literally the same way even so this week like my friends having like a little birthday get together I was like oh my gosh I've said no to so many things like I feel bad and I'm like okay mm -hmm. either I'm staying home or I'm gonna stop by for 30 minutes eat before I get there drink water and come right back home <laughs> just to literally be like I love yep. you happy birthday Bye. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure, right? But part of me is like, I don't know if you're like me, but like, if you're around food that you want to eat, like, saying no is incredibly hard for me. 
Like mm-hmm. I have my friends. I don't know if you if you see Delaney Wallace's Instagram. I don't know if you pay attention to him at all. Okay, but he posts all the time. Like he's always at business dinners and he puts he puts pictures of his empty plate because he's like, I can't eat anything. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Like, he's done it probably 10 times in the past month, just, like, going out to dinners and just, like, drinking water. <laughs> no, I, well, um, I have a couple of thoughts. So, this last weekend, um, we actually had, there There was a military thing for my husband. So, there was, like, celebrations and food and alcohol. And I'm like, I'm dying. And I kept eating at home before we'd go. And my husband is extremely supportive. He just kept forgetting and I'm like, I'm like, there's, he's like, there's going to be food there. I was like, no, I need to eat before we leave. I need to eat before we leave. And he's like, there's going to be food there. And I'm like, you know, I can't eat the food there. Stop telling me there's going to be food there. He's like, oh, I know. Sorry. He's like, well, there might be healthy stuff. I was like, it doesn't matter. It might is not going to work for me. I, and like, also like I track when I'm this close to a competition because I do sit pretty close to my weight class, but I mean, how ridiculous would it be to go to nationals? and not make weight because I was lazy with tracking for a few mm-hmm. weeks like for me I, for people doing bigger cuts it's way more understandable but I don't really cut so it would be so ridiculous to have yeah. dedicated so much of my time and then oh I got lazy so I didn't so I didn't make weight no that's not what I'm doing so yeah I went to all these things I Full disclosure, I let myself have one singular beer at a brewery that we went to because I'm like, I love breweries. But I was like, I kept having to eat before we left because I'm like, I'm not going to eat. I'm going, we're so close. Um, I will say that um, following Jamar and seeing all the stuff he posts all the time, I'm like, dude, you are killing me right now. Your food looks so fire. And all of it looks so good and I can eat. One, I can't make any of it, let's be honest. No. But two, I was like, I can't eat any of this. That's hilarious. Like, was like, your ass is, sorry, you are about to get muted. Like, I cannot look at this this close to competition. Like, that's hilarious because, like, he posted, like, Jamar posted a Smash Burger today. And I saw, and he put the macros under it. I'm like, I can't even try to have half of this. I can't stop yeah I'm like yeah you and you being your 90 kilos go for it I as a 52 kg lifter cannot even look at this (laughs) oh my god bro I we are in the same boat I feel your pain (laughs) so I want to ask a few like get to know you before a meet questions first one what's your favorite PR song It's such an inappropriate song. It's okay. You can say it. Um, so I've been really into, a, it's a band called Corpse right okay. now. Um, and the song is called E-Girls Are Ruining My Life. It is, I cannot play it in the background of my Instagram because it's so, but it just hypes me. I don't know. And it's such a weird song. I feel like for someone who is like me, who is like very like outgoing and happy all the time to have that song on in the background. But I'm like, I don't know. I just, it is my go-to like squat song for sure. Okay, there we go. Do you have any pre-meet traditions? For example, like the day before, do you always do like the same thing? 
so it's really hard um so the so the short answer is no because i have consistently had to tra have to travel for meets and i've lucked out enough that i most of the time there's like a friend i know because i've moved so much i have people that i know in a lot of different places but it makes it hard to have like a consistent routine um so there's nothing and i and i don't I'm not that superstitious in that way. I will say, I did say, I do bring my old Arnold shirt when I come to the Arnold meets. I feel like it is like a little bit of good luck, but for, for non-Arnold meets, no, I don't, I don't really have anything that I do consistently. Okay, that's, that's totally fair. I don't think I have anything either, so. <laughs> I, and I'm almost glad I don't because that's like one more thing that could like mess with me mentally. Like if I was like, I have to do this thing and I couldn't do the thing, like I would hate for something that like, that could be super dumb to negatively affect me in that way. So I, I don't want anything, but I feel like I need to do it before competition. I feel you. What is your favorite post meat meal? beer um <laughs> because like so i i eat pretty boring 90 percent of the year anyway so for meats it's really just being more strict with like tracking for me so the biggest thing that i cut out is that i don't have i don't have any alcohol um so i just to be completely honest i really like especially because after meats i'm not even hungry like i'm so hyped i'm so like i've eaten during the meat like I had to refuel, like, so I'm never even really hungry after meat. So like beer, like I want a beer when I'm done competing. <laughs> That's definitely been a theme across my last few episodes because everyone's like about to compete. And I'm like, what's your favorite post-meat meal? They're like, I can't even eat food. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I'm like, I need to not eat for like four hours after I compete so I can work up the appetite to eat like a fun meal. <laughs> it's it's also hard for me to get out of that mindset because I eat very like very boring like 90% of the year like and I also really like how I look going into meats so I'm like I don't need to like binge and like immediately get rid of this like physique that I have cut for the last like well cut but you know not gone been paying attention to the last, yes. yeah the last like six weeks especially four to six weeks especially i'm like no i don't i don't need to do that again it'd be a little different if like jamar had his food like right in front of me i then that would probably be a game changer but like there's nothing there's nothing that i like really crave that much okay nice what is the number one thing you're looking forward to doing after competing at vegas did you have friends there so what outing are y'all going to I'm going to a pool. I'm going to one of the day clubs. Um, I'm going to pay way too much for anything I get there. And I don't care. Um, I, me and me and my friend who I'm staying with, like, we're still arguing over like which one we gonna want to go to, but we're thinking Circa, um, which is like one of the newer casinos in Vegas. It's actually not on the strip. It's off strip, but it's in like old Vegas, but it's very mm -hmm. new. Um, I didn't get to go there. It was being built when I lived there. So I never got to go. Um, and like the pool's on the rooftop and it's supposed to be super, super epic. And like, there's a bunch of sports on all the time. And I love that. So I think, I think that is the plan. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm about to ask you where that place is after, and you can DM me the information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. I loved talking to you. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I loved meeting you and I'm excited to like meet you for real in Vegas. I know in two weeks. Ah, I know. Oh my God. I, I can't believe it's two weeks. That's so, that's, it seems so quick and I'm like, oh my God, am I even ready? I don't even know. <laughs> right. I'm like, didn't we just get off the plane from Ohio? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I literally just did the Arnold and I'm like, I cannot believe that I am like this far through another prep already. And like, it's time to go. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Thank you so much again. I can't wait to meet you in person and y'all catch you next time on the Power and Lifting Podcast. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. If you got this far, that means you love this. So leave us a five-star review and a rating, please. And we will appreciate that so much. It'll help get the podcast out to more people. Lastly, Solana Lewis Training is accepting new clients. If you want to get ready for the platform and have some excellent, independent, customized one-on-one coaching, check out the link in the show notes to apply for the waitlist and we'll reach out to you and get you on the call to see if we're a good fit for each other. All right, y'all catch you next time.